Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers Who Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Helaman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers Who Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group held every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to MothersWhoKnow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Good morning and welcome to Breakfast with Karen. This series is sponsored by Life Changing Services and put on by Mothers Who Know and Mom Power Training. Life Changing Services is in Farmington, Utah, but we serve people all over the country and in Canada. We run online groups and in-person groups as well as one-on-one services for the whole family. Mostly we deal with people who are struggling with things like betrayal trauma, uh, sexual self-mastery, youth who are struggling with anxiety and depression, and having other difficult situations in their life. We are excited to welcome Bethany Tolley, and I'll tell you a little bit more about her in just a second, but Be considering and noticing as Bethany presents, what did you learn today about agency that you didn't know before? I love the title of Bethany's message. When I read the title, I was like, I would go to a not free webinar to hear what she has to say about that. That is a very cool way to think of agency, the power to let go. So I'm just so excited to hear her message. Bethany Tolley is at the Doctrine Lady on Instagram, but you can just Google Doctrine Lady and you will find Bethany Tolley. I've been studying and going and getting to know her better uh, by looking at all the things she does, and I invite you to go check her out and notice what kind of mission she's on. It's pretty cool. Also, if you look up kentsteadmedia.com, I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about that if she wants to. Okay, so I'm going to turn the time over to you, Bethany. Okay, Bethany, you're on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. (laughs) I tried to look cute this morning, so you guys wouldn't mind looking at me. Um, I am so happy to be here. Um, I'm very passionate about doctrine, and I promise you that what you hear today, you will get two things. One, you're going to get some of the comfort you've been wanting. You're going to get it. But I can also promise you, you're going to get some instruction from the Holy Ghost. And it'll be instruction that gives you comfort, but that's also going to be hard. So I challenge you to prepare yourself for that. So last night, I was watching the new movie Aladdin with my daughter, Anna. And I really like this new Aladdin. And one of my favorite things is that song that Princess Jasmine sings, you know, I will not be silent. And, um, I think a lot of times as moms and wives and just women, we 
feel, I could, you know, Jasmine felt powerless. She felt powerless. She was tired of staying silent. She wanted to take the reins and, and, and be able to have some effect in her kingdom. And as I was watching that, knowing that I've been preparing for this for a couple weeks, it just hit me. I remember feeling that way. Um, several years ago, when I was going through a divorce, I just felt so powerless. I felt stuck and I just couldn't make anything go. I couldn't make my ex go in the direction that I wanted. And then I was sort of trapped in my life until he figured out what he wanted to do. And so I was thinking about a lot of you this morning um, when it came to that song. And I can promise you that as you learn about the power of agency, you don't have to be silent anymore, at least not in the way that you think. So I grew up in North Central Missouri. Um, I'm the youngest daughter of two convert parents and they are amazing people. And about three years ago, against all my desires, the Lord prompted me to start a blog and something that I'm very passionate about and that has saved me in my years of struggle is understanding doctrine and getting to the why behind things. Like I want to know why we have this commandment. I don't want to just keep the commandment. I want to know why. So I started blogging about doctrine and then through my blogging and things like that, I've had the opportunity to be here today. So I want to tell you just a little bit about myself because it's important to you to know this for the doctrine discussion today. So I got married really young. I got married at the age of 19 to a very charismatic, good-looking guy. He was a return missionary, um, but that marriage ended after 11 years, and it was in 2014 that I was actually introduced in a very interesting story that I'll tell you all someday <laughs> to my current husband, Luke. Um, in that process, I inherited seven amazing stepchildren and and then I was able to have one daughter of my own which I wasn't able to have kids in my first marriage so my path is I've gone from here all the way over to here in in the last 15 years and I've been very blessed so although I was raised in the gospel I I didn't really know anything about agency and I can promise you that I was educated better than most I always call my mom the original doctrine lady because she is my foundation for a lot of the things that I know. So I didn't realize that I didn't know anything about agency until my first marriage was falling apart. And when it began to fall apart, I was powerless. I felt powerless to do anything. And I just couldn't figure out how, like I was telling you earlier, to to get my life going again. Often the most discouraging thing when you're, when you're in a partnership with someone else or you're a mom over kids who are struggling is you're in this position of influence and yet there's only so much you can do to get things moving. It's just, if you see progress, that's enough usually, just a little bit of progress. So I'm gonna ask you three questions and if you are able to and have a pen and paper, I would like you to write just, you don't have to be full, you know, write a paragraph, just write down enough that you remember what you wrote. I want you to answer these three questions. Question number one, what part of your life causes you the most unease, fear, inner turmoil, distraction, anxiety, or despair? What part of your life is in your way right now? And what part of your life do you feel powerless? So that's question number one. So I want you to think about that. The second question is, does it involve a relationship with another person? And that's a yes or no, why or in? And the third one is, does it involve a relationship with yourself? Okay. I don't know what each of you is going through today, but chances are if you're feeling powerless, the thing you need to let go of is answered by one of those questions or the combination. If there is something that is always on your mind, that's always causing you fear or turmoil or worry, that's likely the thing that you need to worry about letting go today. So just keep that in your mind.
So in Doctrine and Covenants, section 131, verse 6, there's a scripture, and it says, It is impossible for us to be saved in ignorance. It is impossible for us to be saved in ignorance. And so what I would normally do is say, well, ignorance of what? <laughs> what is it that I need to know to be saved? And the answer is in two of my favorite scriptures that I quote, like every time I write a blog, I end up quoting one of these. The first one is John 17, three. For this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And then the second scripture is Matthew. This is the parable of the ten virgins. Matthew 25, 12, when the five virgins, the five foolish, are kept out of the wedding feast, Christ says unto them, I know you not. But if you look at the Joseph Smith translation for that, it says, you know me not. And so if we go back to that Doctrine and Covenants 131.6, it is impossible for us to be saved in ignorance of our Father in heaven and a relationship with him. Okay, I could also flip it around and say it is impossible for us to be condemned in ignorance or without a relationship with the Lord. And so you're probably wondering what this has to do with agency. A lot of times we think about agency as just the power to make a choice, but it is so much more. Agency is the power to learn about our Father in heaven and become like him and have a relationship with him. And so the choices is a huge part of it, but it's not the final end. And so a lot of times we like to micromanage or worry about choices when what we need to ultimately worry about with agency is a relationship with our Father in heaven. That's us and that's those who are in our lives and whom we influence. Okay, so I do have a few notes, and so I want to read this one line. The primary power of agency is that it is the capacity to come to truly know and then become like our Father in heaven. There's no other point to being able to choose in this life if it doesn't lead us there. So the first thing that I learned in my failing marriage several years ago is that the choice is only one small piece and that the larger part of agency is about accountability, okay? So the power of agency, I'm gonna give you a list of six things. So we're talking about the power to let go today. You have to understand the things that agency is based upon. And there are six things. The first one, and I call these, um, conditions, the conditions of mortality, because without them, we can't have agency. Number one, we have to have a home away from home. That's number one. And I'm going to go through all these again. So if you don't catch one, don't worry. Number two, we have to have law. Number three, we need correct and complete instruction. That's important. Not just instruction, it has to be correct and complete. Number three, we need enticement. You know, temptation or marketing by both sides, enticement. Fifth, we need experience. And we're going to talk about this one a lot. We can't have agency without the opportunity to gain experience. And finally, we need the atonement of Jesus Christ. So home away from home, law, correct and complete instruction, enticement, experience, and the atonement of Jesus Christ. So let's talk about number one, home away from home. So I, my oldest stepdaughter, she is an incredible person. But because of the time when I met her father, Luke, my husband, 
she was already graduating from high school and getting ready to go to college. And so I didn't really get a chance to get to know her that well until I became pregnant with my daughter, Anna. And when I got pregnant with Anna, she was so excited that she decided she wanted to leave campus and come and live with us. And so while she was here, I was like, okay, you're going to have chores, right? So you have to change the cat box. You need to keep your room clean. And um, she had a propensity to leave food on the floor and let clothes accumulate on the floor and to forget to change the cat box, which as you all can assume, we have an indoor cat. She can't go outside. So if you don't change the cat box, it can get um, pretty rough. So I had this constant dilemma. Well, this is my stepdaughter. I, we don't have a very strong relationship. You know, what do I do? Do I like get after her and say, okay, you need to change the cat box. You need to get the food off your floor so we don't get like bugs and mice, which we did by the way. <laughs> and I just really battled with this because I, I'm a mother figure, right? And I want to teach her responsibility, right? But I couldn't figure out what to do. And as I pondered it, because I wanted to be very careful because she'd been hurt in the past between the divorce and her parents and her relationship with her mother and, and the inspiration and the guidance of the Holy Ghost came to me. And he just, he just said to me, he says, you know, this is, I'm paraphrasing what I felt. She's going to have her own home and very soon. Don't worry about it. Just love her. She's going to have her own home. And with that ownership, she will learn to take care of things. You don't need to worry about it. Just love her. And I, I was just so, I felt so freed. I was like, okay. So I didn't have to worry. Like if she didn't do the cat box, I just did it because it was a favor. It was showing her that I, I wasn't measuring our relationship because she wasn't doing something. And so I just did it. And occasionally she would notice and I could tell she felt bad, but I didn't, I didn't rub it in. I didn't say anything. And we ended up developing a really close relationship. And now she's one of my closest friends. And I often think, well, if I hadn't let go of this, of this idea that I had to teach her these things, I may have ruined what could have been a really amazing relationship. So I had to let go and understand that by giving her, letting her learn it when she had her home away from home, that everything would be okay. Now you guys know that we're in a home away from home. The purpose of the creation of the earth was, was not a random idea. We couldn't have a full accountability, a full use of our agency without getting out of our Heavenly Father's presence. We loved him too much, and we exercised as much agency as we could in his presence. And so what did he give us? A home away from home. And here we have our own families. So now we value our heavenly family much better than I'm sure we did up there. And we have our own possessions. We have a stewardship. And so it means more to us when we lose a loved one, when we see someone struggling. Everything has more impact because we have a home away from home. So number two, we need law, okay? So I'm so grateful that God's in charge of the law part because I'm pretty certain I would come up with rules that weren't very fair. <laughs> but um, God's law determines what is right and what is wrong, okay? And it's that initial setup that actually makes us accountable. If God didn't say that yelling at your children was not the best thing, we wouldn't be accountable when we did it. Too bad, right? Too bad. <laughs> the law also establishes consequences. So we've all heard that scripture in Doctrine and Covenants. The blessings we receive are predicated upon obedience. So also are the, you know, the cursings or the negative consequences. And so once we've experienced a consequence, again, we become more accountable. The last thing that the law establishes, and this is my favorite, is the conditions upon which mercy are, is extended, okay? So the law also says, you know, justice can be paid for by a mediator and, and we can learn right from wrong. We can mess up a million times and so can the people we love. 
They can mess up again and again and again until they get enough experience and they meet the conditions for mercy to be applied. So repentance. Okay, so that's the law. So the next one is correct and complete instruction. So now I want to tell you a little story about kind of what happened the last year before my marriage, my first marriage ended and, and I went through a divorce. So when it started to fall apart, as you all will probably understand, when any relationship is starting to fall apart, you sort of get this um, fight for your life type of mentality. You know, you want to hold on for dear life. And, and so a lot of, I have to be honest, I'm a pretty even individual, but that year I, <laughs> I'm sure it was sad for my father in heaven to watch, but entertaining for some, because I did things I would never normally have done. Um, and I got to a point where I was so desperate to have power in my life to stop just watching everything crumble. And so I started to get these inspirations from the Holy ghost to tell my ex-husband things I thought he already knew, right? He'd been raised in the church. He'd been on a mission. He should know these things, right? But without fail, and it just, they started coming one after the other, you know, I would feel prompted to have a discussion about covenants, a, a discussion about commandments. And I'm like, this, these are basics. And so after a while I got excited, I'm like, oh, I'm getting these inspirations because it's going to save my marriage. He's going to come around. And so just one after the other, I just really threw myself into them. And, and we had a lot of conversations. And by the end of that year, he was agreeing with me. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's true. And I was convinced that, that that was, that was it. We were about to move forward and, and be saved. And then that's when he decided to end everything. And I have to tell you, I was not happy about that at the time. That was really difficult. It's like a death in your life. Because more than anything, I felt like, I thought we made so much progress. And then it ended. And it wasn't until several months later that I came to understand that what I was doing was not particularly saving. I was making him accountable. So I want you to think about that for a minute. I was getting all these promptings to tell him truths. And by the end, he was agreeing with me. He was like, yes, you're right. Yes, that's true. And then with full accountability, he decided to let the marriage go. So what I was doing was fulfilling number three. I was an instrument in the Lord's hand in making sure he had correct and complete instruction. And so you're probably wondering, well, how did that help you let go, Bethany? <laughs> And I'm, I have to tell you, you and I, we all know that none of us are perfect. I'm, I know I made mistakes in that marriage. I did try with all my heart, but I did make mistakes. But I was able to walk away from that relationship knowing that despite my imperfections, that's not why it failed. Okay? And that's huge, as all of you out there will know. And even as a mom, if you if you have a child who walks away from you for a while, if you've done your correct and complete instruction, you can let go. You don't have to sit around going, well, what if I, what if I had said this, would that made a difference? What if I had done this, would that made a difference? You'll be able to have peace that you did what was required of you. You met the requirement for correct and complete instruction, and now they have full accountability for their choice. Okay, so that's really important. Um, I want to share a little excerpt from one of my favorite books. So one of the things I do is I'm a writer and I like to write fiction. Um, and one of my favorite books is Out of the Silent Planet. It's actually a more or less a space fantasy by C.S. Lewis, which means if it's by C.S. Lewis, it's not just a fiction story. It's full of jam packed full of paragraphs that like you want to mark and then you realize you're marking the whole book. So I want to give you just a really quick summary of what's happening. So in this book, there's a character and his name is, is Ransom. That's his last name, Dr. Ransom. And he has two colleagues that basically more or less abduct him in a spaceship and take him to another planet. And 
on the way there, they don't teach him anything about what he needs to know when he gets there. In fact, they keep most of the information from him because they don't want him to know. And so when he gets there, he's excited. But at this point, because he's been abducted, he's like, well, I might as well make the best of it. He gets out of the spaceship and he's so excited to see what this planet looks like. And he says, and it says this, he saw nothing but colors, colors that refused to form themselves into things. Moreover, he knew nothing yet well enough to see it. You cannot see things till you know roughly what they are. My favorite part of that is that he knew nothing yet well enough to see it because you cannot see things fully until you know roughly what they are. So if you think about that in relation to correct and complete instruction, we spend a lot of time teaching our kids and sometimes our spouses and sometimes a friend or a, a sibling who's in their own life. We tell them things, but a lot of times we don't tell them everything. I know that sometimes in our ward when we have fifth Sunday discussions and they decide to do something about pornography, they talk and talk and talk and talk about all the reasons why it's bad and all the reasons why you shouldn't do this, but they never teach how to tell if that's what you're looking at or if that's the intent that's in your heart. And I bless the people who do it, but I often get frustrated. And so when I... I was in Young Women's recently, and I was teaching my Maya maids about it, and they could answer all the questions. But then when I asked them, how do you tell if you're doing that, or if that's what you're seeing, they couldn't tell me, or they, they really couldn't. You know, and you, you give them time to get used to the, the difficulty of the subject. And so then we had to talk about objectification, because they didn't know what objectification was using another individual as an object for your own pleasure. They didn't understand that that's more or less what pornography is and that that's how they could tell if they were going down the wrong road or objectifying themselves, turning themselves into um, an object of pornography because, because in trying to feel good about themselves, they dressed in a certain way, objectifying themselves. And they just, their faces changed. So correct and complete instruction. Um, keep an eye on my time here. So number four is enticement. And this is the one, hopefully you have, you if you've been out and about, you can actually sit down. This is a big one. Okay. The point of enticement is so that we can be tempted or enticed by either God or Satan, right? So we all know that we all know we need enticement, but it doesn't often occur to us that we can't learn to recognize the Lord's voice if we haven't gained experience with the adversary's voice. We really do need to know what he is like and what he sounds like and what he feels like in order to get better at recognizing the Lord and what he sounds like and what he feels like. So I'm just going to, I'm going to make, uh, say a list of things that Satan's enticements include. And I just want you to jot down the ones that hit you, okay? Because I'm going to say a few. Satan's enticements include doubt, fear, feelings of worthlessness, encouragement to despair. We all know what that one feels like. If you're, you're a woman, you've despaired and you've been encouraged to despair. He also plants the impetus for revenge, okay, or grudge holding. Satan's enticements also include temptation to sin, to value the knowledge of men above spiritual experience. Satan's enticements feed anger and feed hopelessness. And so I can bet that some of you listening right now, even in the last 30 minutes, you have been tempted to feel angry or hopeless, okay? That's Satan. He also likes to tell us that by controlling others, we can save them, okay? Now, that's one 
that I'm really frustrated about sometimes because I think the world would just be much better if I could control, control people, right? I don't really think that. But sometimes we just, oh, you just, if I could just get this the way, going my way I want to. But we all know that that's um, a doctrine of Satan. Okay. Now, God's enticements. And again, I want you to just jot down the ones that you're interested in or that you haven't heard before. So God's enticements include the light of Christ. Okay. And I call this the gut feeling. You know, it's just a gut feeling. All right. They also include the power of the Holy Ghost. So the power of the Holy Ghost is like a clear validation you're hearing truth. So you're sitting in a testimony meeting and someone says something and you're like, boom, you just feel it from head to toe. Or you're talking with a friend and they say something and it just hits you, right? It's a little more powerful than normal. It just really gets you, right? Joseph Smith, when he was reading the, in James, it hit him like really hard and he couldn't forget it. That's the power of the Holy Ghost, okay? Then we have the gift of the Holy Ghost, okay? And so this is something we get through covenant, but how is it different, right? Well, the Holy Ghost validates our gut feeling, okay? So you're going along and you do something, but you have sort of this gut feeling that, you know, it probably isn't the best thing to do. The Holy Ghost says, you're right, that's not the best thing to do. And it's not this huge fireworks, it's just, yeah, I shouldn't do that, okay? The Holy Ghost also reminds us to act on those big bursts of truth. So, you know, you were having that discussion with that friend and you had that experience. You're like, man, that is true. I need to, I need to do something with that. Then later on, you don't get more fireworks, but you get that little nudge. You know, you need to do something with that feeling you had. Okay. The other thing the Holy Ghost does is when we act on those nudges, he actually changes us. And so you need to think about this with, in relation to yourself and also to the people that you love, their relationships. They're getting nudges. And it takes time for all of us, whether it's you or me or them, to learn to act on the nudges and then to slowly be changed. The Holy Ghost has the power to actually change the inside of us. That's what makes the gift of the Holy Ghost so much different than the other two is that through the atonement, the Holy Ghost can actually, you know, take a wrench, some screwdrivers, and start making adjustments, okay? But it takes time. Repeated nudges, okay, I'll do my ministering, you know? <laughs> and then you get better, and you get better. Okay, so here's the last two. God's enticements include spiritual interventions, Spiritual interventions. So those are warnings if we're starting to get off the right, you know, the, the track that we're on. And it also includes spiritual ultimatums. Now, it, they don't use this wording in the scriptures. But a spiritual ultimatum is more or less like Jonah going to Nineveh and saying, hey, you're fully accountable at this point. God has sent me to tell you, you are fully accountable. You are ripe for destruction, which is God's way of saying you're fully accountable. You've, you've gotten all these other things. So to issue a spiritual ultimatum, that means that we have a home away from home. So they had their city. It means that they had the law. So they had been taught. Okay. It means that their, their instruction was correct to complete. They, they knew enough to be accountable. And then so the enticement they got was God came along and would sent the prophet and he's like, Hey, you're ripe. If you don't change, these are the consequences. So that's spiritual ultimatum. And I have written a few blogs on that. And there's a chapter on that in the book that I just released, but I'm going to talk more about those in just a little bit. Okay. So when I met my current husband, Luke, um, now, guys, you need to know that I did not want to get remarried. I, I was really good. And I told Karen this yesterday. I was like, you know what? One of the reasons I could also let go for my divorce is I kept my covenants. And the Lord had taught me after the divorce happened, because, you know, you wonder, well, you know, we got married in a temple. What about, you know, am I still guaranteed this? Do, am I still okay? And there's a tendency to think that because the marriage failed, that 
that the other person took away all your blessings, but that cannot happen. Okay. God says in 82:10, I, the Lord am bound when you do what I say, but when you do not what I say, you have no promise. So basically, as long as I kept my covenants and I kept doing what was right and doing the things that I was bound to do by my temple covenants, I, I literally have the power to bind the almighty God to bless me. Do you realize how powerful that is? You can't ever lose blessings saved by your own choice. Okay. So I didn't want to get married. I was like, I'm good. I, I'm going to wait for the millennium and I'm going to marry one of the stripling warriors that died and didn't have a wife. You know, I'm good. But the Lord brought Luke into my life through very miraculous means. And um, so when I knew, I got to a point where I knew I, I this sounds really terrible because I am very happy that I married. And by the time I was not happy, it took me about two years into our marriage to be super excited about it. <laughs> but um, I said to him, I said, okay, I'm, you know, we're going to have to get married. But I said this. Your salvation is not my responsibility. I am not going to tell you to read your scriptures and say your prayers. I am not going to tell you what your entertainment should or shouldn't be. I am too tired. I do not have the energy for that. And I still don't. Okay. I also told him that I'm never going to look like a supermodel and I like to eat. And if you have an issue with that, you better just go now. Okay. I said that too. And I remind him of that frequently. <laughs> But by doing that, I was letting him know from the very beginning. Well, and I wouldn't have married him if I didn't believe that he loved the Lord like I did. But I just wanted him to know, I'm not going to worry about you. I'm going to worry about me. And your, your salvation is between you and God. So I did tell him this. And this is also what I told the Lord. When I knew I had to marry him, I got on my knees and I told the Lord, I said, you know what? I'm tired because you know what? It's so tiring, you guys. It's so tiring to be, to be a part of other people's lives. It sometimes seems like it would be easier just to be on our own, right? But I told the Lord, I said, I love Luke and I need you to do two things for me, Lord. One, I only want to see the good in him. I know he's got flaws. I know he's not perfect. Just, I just want to, I just want to see the good. Can you just block out the other stuff? Because I just don't need to worry about that. And the other thing I said to him, and this has to do with spiritual interventions and ultimatums, as I said, I'm not going to get involved unless you tell me to say something. And we've been married five, almost five and a half years. And I've only had to say something once. I let go from the very beginning and I put it all in the Lord's hands and it's really hard to do that. And I'm not saying I haven't had to redo it a few times. There's been a few times where I've been tempted to focus on the things that I feel like he should be working on. And then as soon as I start to do it, I get this feeling of like tiredness and I'm like, Oh, and then I'm like, wait, 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 that's not mine. God's got that. And Having been in a marriage where that didn't happen, and in this one, I have to tell you, it's the most freeing thing. I don't have to worry, well, did I say something? Should I say something? Because God tells me that power of the Holy Ghost, which is a little bit different than the gut feeling and the gift of the Holy Ghost, when I needed to say something to Luke, it hits me. And I remember when it hit me, I was at a stake women's conference, and I went to a a lady was presenting on difficult conversations. She was a marriage and family therapist and she was talking about it. And like in the middle of it, I didn't even know that I needed to say anything to him. And in the middle of it, she said something and I was like, Oh, oh my gosh, I've got to go talk to Luke. And I didn't even know what about, but I, I saw symptoms. And so that's the only time. And so it's really freeing because in our marriage, he doesn't worry about me and I don't worry about him. And it makes us both able to come together better. And it doesn't seem like that the, that's what would happen, but it really has helped. So spiritual interventions are warnings. You know, we just say, Hey, and this is basically what I said to him. Hey, God told me to tell you, to ask you, is anything wrong? And so we had a discussion and I'm like, okay, you need to work on that. And if you don't, we're going to have problems. 
and, and then I was able to let go and that's all I ever said. Okay. And then spiritual ultimatums. I see now that in my past marriage and my divorce, part of that correct and complete instruction was also getting my ex to a point where he, he knew enough that when he chose, he chose with full accountability. And that's what sp spiritual ultimatums do. Spiritual uh, interventions and ultimatums give you power to encourage the use of agency in those you love. So just let that roll for a minute. When you issue a spiritual intervention, which is a warning, or a spiritual ultimatum, which is like a last, this is your last chance, you are, you don't have to sit and wait for people to come around. You can issue with the help of the Lord through inspiration, spiritual ultimatums where you can say, here's an example. I'm just making this up. So you have Molly, the wife, and Joe, the husband, and Joe has an issue with pornography, and he's tried several times over the years to get it right, but obviously Molly knows there's reasons why he's not doing it, and she might also be trying to micromanage him, but either way, it comes to a point where she's, she can't wait anymore. She's crumbling and being destroyed by the process, and so she can go to him and say, I love you. I'm going to go move in with my mom. You have six months to work on this and get yourself together and start getting help and, and showing me by your choices that you want to save this marriage. Right. And you can, you can, it's a little bit, be a little bit different between kids and stuff, but it's a similar principle. And so Joe might say, Oh honey, you're right. I'm so sorry. Please stay. Spiritual ultimatums. You don't stay. This is the final invitation to use agency. So you say, Oh, well, Joe, honey, I'm glad you love me but this is still what I'm going to do. And she moves to her mom's house and you still, they still communicate, but spiritual ultimatums are set. Whereas interventions, you have a lot more flexibility to say, okay, I'll give you some time. Okay. But these are ways you can get your power back where you can encourage the use of agency in the lives of those you love. Okay. We're almost to the end here. <laughs> Number five is everybody's least favorite. If you're a mom, experience is your least favorite. Well, and as an individual, experience is sometimes my favorite and sometimes not. Experience gives our instruction meaning. So remember, we have the corrected complete instruction. So you have an eight-year-old and you're like, you're getting baptized, right? Now you're fully accountable. No, that eight-year-old is the farthest thing from fully accountable. When God says that someone is accountable, he means they are beginning to be accountable. An eight-year-old knows enough, has had enough experience to know that they shouldn't hit their sibling and, you know, and there's some things they shouldn't do. But do they really know what Satan's voice sounds like? Do they really know that some of the things they're doing to their friends at school is really horrible? They might know a little bit, but they're not fully able because they haven't had enough experience. Okay? So no experience, no experience, even negative experience is a loss. So if you have a child that goes and does some really terrible things, it's not a loss. We always see it that way. They run off and they're doing their own thing and they're making all these wrong choices and we like, oh, they're lost. They're lost. They're never going to come back. It is not a loss. They're gaining experience as long as they learn from it. Okay. That's the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And so often we, we treat negative experience as if it's a loss. And yeah, you can come back. Yeah, you can repent. But, you know, it's still sort of a loss because you didn't gain experience in the, in the positive way. Right? Do, I know I have done that. And I feel bad that I have done it as I've learned more about agency. But no experience because of the atonement of Jesus Christ is is a loss ever as long as at some point they repent and, and come back. So I have a great example for this. And um, I don't know if any of you recognize this book. It's called The Giver. And it's basically more or less about um, a society where they have decided to micromanage and sterilize everything about life to keep people from making mistakes. Okay. And, um, 
So in the society, they have a giver and his job is to hold all of the memories of everything that came before so that they know why they're in this current society. But part of that is, is that he has to hold all the pain and all the misery. And every once in a while, as the giver gets old, he has to pass it on to one of the members of the society, right? And uh, in this case, it's a little boy and his name is Jonas. And they have a conversation because Jonas has learned to see color because he's starting to get the memories from the giver and he's starting to see color. And he's, it's so cool, right? So this is, this will just be short. This is the conversation he has. Um, the giver told him that it would be a very long time before he had the colors to keep. But I want them, Jonas said angrily. It isn't fair. It, it's not fair that nothing has color. Not fair? The giver looked at Jonas curiously. Explain what you mean. Well, Jonas had to stop and think. If everything's the same, then there aren't any choices. And I want to wake up in the morning and make and decide things between a blue tunic or a red one. And he looked down at himself in the colorless fabric. But it's all the same, always. Then he laughed a little. Oh, but I guess I know it's not important what you wear. It doesn't matter. But it's the choosing that's important, isn't it? The giver asked him. Jonas nodded. My little brother, he began. No, no, wait, that's inaccurate. He's not my brother, not really. But he's a new child that my family takes care of. His name is Gabriel. Yes, I know about Gabriel. Well, he's at the right age where he's learning so much. He grabs toys, and when we hold them in front of him, and my father says he's learning small muscle control and he's really cute. The giver nodded. But now that I can see colors, at least sometimes, I was just thinking, what if we could hold up things that were bright red or bright yellow and he could choose instead of sameness? He might make wrong choices. Oh, Jonas was silent for a minute. Oh. I see what you mean. Well, it wouldn't matter for a new child, but later it does matter, doesn't it? We don't dare let people make choices of their own. Not safe, the giver suggested. Definitely not safe, Jonas said with certainty. What if they were allowed to choose their own mate? And what if they chose wrong? Or what if, he went on almost laughing, what if they chose their own jobs? Frightening, isn't it? The giver said. Jonas chuckled, very frightening. I can't even imagine it. We really have to protect people from wrong, wrong choices. It's safer. Yes, Jonas agreed, much safer. A lot of times we like to protect people from wrong choices. We don't want them to gain experience, not that way. We want to micromanage how they gain experience. And this is the hardest thing. But if we can learn to understand that through the atonement of Christ, even the worst choices, they are not a loss because we gain experience. We gain accountability. So at the end of whatever our life is or whatever time we have, we can choose the Lord with full accountability. We can choose a relationship with him with full accountability. If we try to take experience away from people, we are taking away their ability to have a relationship with the Lord. This is so powerful. We don't want them to gain experience with the wrong side, but they can't always, not everybody gains experience with the Lord by going the path that we see as the easiest one. They have to go through hard times. So I have one minute. And so let me talk just real quickly about the atonement of Jesus Christ. So I have my oldest stepson, his name is Daniel, and he's exceptional. And when he was 17 and he was living with us, he, he's so responsible. I have to tell you, just so responsible, so obedient, sort of a pain sometimes, but we, he earned his own computer. My parents actually bought him his own computer. And so he had his own computer, his own 
computer, home away from home, computer away from parents' computer. We had taught him the law, how you use your computer. We'd instructed him as completely as we could and correctly and how to use, make use of it and how to, to be smart with it. But now he needed to gain experience of his own. We had to let him do it on his own. It would have been really easy to micromanage his use of it. So we set him up for experience. And so I could let go. And you know why? Because of the atonement. And so Daniel came out to me one day and he goes, you know, I'm worried I spend too much time on my computer. And I said, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, I really like to play Civilization Five, Civ Five, he calls it. And he's like, I'm worried I'm spending too much time on my computer. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do about it? Because remember, I'd already let go. And he's like, well, I think I'm going to come out and tell you when I'm going to play. And I want you to come and get me if I spend more than a certain amount of time. And I said, no, that won't work for me. I said, you have to tell me when you want to be done. Because I'm not going to count. I'm not going to watch the clock for you. And so he came out the next day and he goes, okay, I got my homework done. And I'm going to play Civ till 5 o'clock because that's when dinner is. Will you promise to come get me if I don't? come out in time and so I said okay and he came out at 4:59, and he says I made it right he was so excited that he made it and we also had discussions because he's he said don't you worry about me looking at things I shouldn't look at and I said you know Daniel I know you're 17 and you're still under my roof I said but I've taught you and at this point if you do that it's on your shoulders I said but I am here and you know that we're not going to condemn you if you have troubles, that you can come talk to us about it and we'll help you through. But that's on you. And maybe, maybe it was easier because he's my stepson. I don't know. Maybe it's not easier because he's my stepson, but because of the atonement and because we had met all the other conditions for agency, I could let go. So I just want to thank you guys for letting me talk at you today. <laughs> um, I really love agency and it has given me a lot of power in my life to let go. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bethany. Wow. I can't wait to listen to the recording of this too. <laughs> like seriously, I'm like, this is so wonderful. I was just thinking, okay, when I listen to her recording again, I'm definitely going to take notes. Then I'm going to set up a meeting with her and I'm going to ask her some questions. <laughs> Karen, can I say one more thing? So spiritual ultimatums and interventions. Um, my book that I have, it's free. Like it's free. You don't have to give me your email address or anything. If you go to my publishing website, kinsteadmedia.com and go to the books, my book, Finding Greater Happiness, Peace, and Rest, is completely free. It's just a PDF. You can download it for free. And I, there's a chapter in there that explains a lot more about spiritual interventions and ultimatums. And I just, I wanted to say that real quick. Yes. So Finding Greater Happiness, Peace, and Rest. And the Covenant of Marriage. Yeah. So good. Oh, well, I know I got so much out of the things that you shared today. I'm just feeling, you know how your spirit just gets kind of excited? Like there is a lot more for me to know about stuff because you just kind of, I don't know, for me, I feel like sometimes I just believe what people tell me, right? Because they're, they're nice people telling me yeah. good things. And that's, that makes sense to me. And, and I don't question it or go and think about it further, but there are so many things that you brought out today that could be responses to that question we asked earlier. Sisters, while you were listening to Bethany, is there something that you heard about agency that is new that you didn't know before? Bethany, is there anything that you'd like to say? Yes. Can I, can I make one more comment? Absolutely. I've, I've been getting some good questions through private chat. And um, one of the questions is, um, is it okay for us to extend mercy or to remove consequences? You know, let me, let me actually go, let's look at it. It says, um, extending mercy by removing the consequences for breaking a law. So is it, are we enabling if we remove consequences? And so um, it's really important to understand that while we can be merciful, we don't extend mercy. That's God's um, role. And also, 
no matter what we do, we cannot remove consequences. So even if we remove our consequences, there will always be consequences for good or ill based on our choices. And so even if we, so for example, like I, when my daughter didn't do the cat box, just because I didn't impose a consequence doesn't mean that there aren't consequences spiritually for her not fulfilling her responsibilities. So we don't have the power to actually extend mercy or to remove consequence. We only have control over practice, complete instruction. And, you know, obviously as depending on a kid's age, our involvement's more complete, but that's just important that we know we can be merciful, but we can't actually extend mercy and we can take away our consequences. Our consequences teach the correct and complete instruction, but we can't actually remove consequence. That's all. Mm, that's awesome. So good to clarify that. I am wondering if you could elaborate just a little bit on your question number three. Does it involve a relationship with yourself? I'm wondering if you could maybe explain what a relationship with yourself, like what an example would be. So I had, I actually had an experience for that. One of the things about experience for women is that we like to ignore it. And throughout my life, um, I have spent a lot of time focusing on my image and that has affected my self-esteem. And despite the experience that I gained that no matter what I did, my body was still just genetically my body and I, it could be healthy, but it could not be someone else's body. I, or that the best way to be healthy was to exercise a certain way. So I used to run and I ran long distance and I ran and I ran and I ran and I ran and I ran. And, I ran. and my body was trying to tell me that I was getting injured and my spirit was trying to tell me that I just needed to be healthy. I did not need to be a supermodel. And I got to a point where I couldn't ignore that experience anymore. And so the relationship with myself was suffering because I was ignoring the experience that I was gaining. And I still remember very clearly the day that I quit running. I was running along a road. I saw a telephone pole up in the distance and there's plenty of telephone poles. But that day, that telephone pole, like, it like stuck out to me and the spirit said very clearly to me, you don't need to run anymore. And so when I got to that telephone pole, I quit running. So that's an example of the relationship with myself. We also have to get all these things that I talked about for ourselves. And we also have to not ignore the experience that we get and we have to seek correct instruction. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Hope that helped. We just adore that you came today. Feel free to contact me through any of my sites. I would love to hear from any of you. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers You Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity, and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. The Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA eight young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. And The Clark and Linda Show, a courageous couple that shares their journey of pornography addiction and how that affected their marriage and family. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under mothersyouknow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms. 
You can also go to the Mothers You Know website at mothersyouknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. And by the way, if you do enroll in a program, use our promo code MWK on the enrollment form to get $25 off a Sons of Human intake session. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.